stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. It was June of 2009. A horrific murder. Four people killed in what became known as the Kingston Canal murders or the Shafia honor killings. 19-year-old Zainab, 17-year-old Zahar, 13-year-old Giri, 52-year-old Rona Muhammad. Their bodies found in a car submerged in a canal in the city of Kingston. Mohammed Shafia, his wife Tuba, were found guilty of those murders in 2012. And here it is, 2018. Uh, and we're still talking about these two. They, they constantly seem to be in the headlines. Now, this story today is interesting. Because Atuba Shafia, or Yaya, I guess as she's now known, has been deported. She's been stripped of her permanent residency and ordered deported. Now, hang on a second here, because she's in jail on four counts of murder. So she's not going anywhere anytime soon. This wouldn't happen until she's done serving her sentence. You would think in a case like this that finishing the sentence wouldn't be an option. Well, someone has uh, written about this uh, this whole case, joins us to talk more about it. Uh, Rob Tripp, award-winning investigative journalist, author, former colleague here at Chorus Radio. He's also author of the book, Without Honor, the True Story of the Shafia Family and the Kingston Canal Murders. Rob, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Hey, it's great to be on with you, Rob. How are things? How's the new book coming, by the way? Well, it's slow. It's slow and painful, you know. Uh, as you, I'm sure you've heard the famous quote that the process of writing a book is uh, getting over top of a typewriter or a computer and, uh, you know, opening a vein and letting it bleed out. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, well, yeah, you've covered a lot of gruesome uh, stories over the years uh, in reporting on, on crime in the courts. But, but this one, I, I, I suppose, must really stand out to you in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's a pretty exceptional case, and it still stands as the worst honor killing ever in Canada up until the time that this crime happened in 2009. The worst one actually took place in Calgary uh, before that when three people were murdered in an honor killing. But, but this case is remarkable because you had a, you know, a 10-member family in which there was a, cons- a conspiracy among three members of the family, including the mother and father, to, to wipe out almost half the family. Now, when we say honor killing, what was the context here? In this case, you had uh, the two oldest uh, daughters, uh, or two of the daughters, uh, including one of the oldest daughters, Zainab, uh, and her sister, Sahar, who essentially wanted to live a more normal sort of Western life. They wanted uh, to date. They wanted to hang out with boys at school and stay late at school. They wanted to wear the same clothes that all of their friends wore in the high school that they attended in Montreal. And those things went dramatically against the wishes of their very strict father. And it wasn't just because of his uh, sort of uh, Islamic um, adherence. It was also uh, essentially just uh, him imposing his will on the family, telling them how they could live their lives and how they would behave. And they went against him. They defied him. Um, four of the members of the family, including these two teenage girls I'm talking about. And as a result of that, the father decided that they had to be murdered. They had to be killed so that he could restore his honor and the honor of his family. Wow. Uh, he was uh, a polygamist, right? He had, he had two wives? Yes, he did. He had two wives. And uh, one of the victims was his first wife, Rona, who uh, it turned out after he married her, he discovered was uh, barren, infertile, and couldn't give him babies. And that was one of the factors in his decision to kill her. 
Uh, the, the case took a long time. Now, there, there have been appeals as well since then, right? Yes. Yep. They appealed first uh, to the highest court in Ontario, and they were turned down, uh, and they sought leave to appeal to the Supreme Court of Canada, and they were rejected. Well, and I should say that it was a fairly um, narrow appeal that it was brought by Hamed, uh, Muhammad Shafi's eldest son. He appealed, uh, and they brought out some fanciful arguments about documents that purported to show that Hamed was 17 years old at the time of the murders and should have been subject to youth law in Canada, and the, the court just refused to consider that evidence. It was interesting, a few years ago, uh, this was a Senate uh, committee hearing, they were talking about prison radicalization, and uh, Mohammed Shafia's name came up, that he became, uh, as was testified, uh, quite the uh, religious tyrant in prison. And it's interesting to me because that word tyrant is something that I heard quite often when I was researching my book, particularly uh, about this case, that a lot of people thought of Shafi as a tyrant in terms of his behavior in all walks of life, in his business dealings with people. He was tyrannical. Uh, He could be incredibly angry. Uh, He would yell and scream at people. Uh, He was a tyrant in dealing with his children at home. You know, there was lots of evidence that he abused them uh, both verbally and physically, leading up to the murders. So I'm, I'm not surprised to hear that in prison he's been uh, a bit of a tyrant as well. Yeah. Th- does it surprise you, though, that, that there just seem to be so many twists and turns in all of this? It just seems that constantly over the years that there's some reason or another why they're back in the news. I'm not really surprised. It's pretty pretty uh, remarkably complex case and has many layers because we had a family that, uh, you know, grew up in Afghanistan, which is uh, a complex country beyond anything we can imagine in Canada. I think a place racked by war nearly since its uh, inception. Uh, and this family moved around um, throughout the Middle East. They lived in Dubai, they lived in Australia, Pakistan. They end up in Montreal in 2007. Uh, and then, as I said earlier, you know, you have a, a family conspiracy to wipe out half your family. That's not the kind of homicide that police departments in Canada typically see. Why, why did he target his other wife, though? Well, one of the reasons that he targeted her was that she sided with the three girls yeah. who were victims who essentially just wanted ordinary Western lives uh, and who defied their father. And Rona sided with those girls. She helped them to try to live these lives. She helped them to conceal what they were doing from her father. She had also asked uh, her husband, Shafi, for a divorce, which he saw as another dishonor to his name. So for multiple reasons, Shafi decided that Rona had to go at the same time that he murdered his three daughters. Uh, One of the headlines that came up last year was that Muhammad was ordered to pay Tuba's legal fees. Um, have, have they split then, essentially? I mean, have, have they turned on one another, or is the, the wife still supportive of the husband, despite all of that? You know, I've had, not had any contact with them directly since they went to prison, or with anyone who has direct contact with them to know whether they, what sort of relationship still exists between them. But I, I can say that, you know, even when this trial was underway, when and when the police were completing their investigation, uh, that there was already a bit of a split there, that it appeared that Tuba might be starting to side with her children and split from Shafi. There were times during the case where it seemed like she was trying to concoct stories that protected or insulated her children from the legal fallout and that went against Shafi's best interests and his wishes.
Right, but obviously they were both convicted. They, I mean, there was no testimony against the other, anything like that. No, Shafi did testify, and, and so did Tuba, but uh, they didn't really incriminate each other, that's for sure, during their testimony, although there was one police interrogation in which Tuba uh, incriminated Shafi, uh, but then later took that back and said, when she testified at trial, that she'd been coerced by the police and pressured and tricked and that she didn't really mean it. So we get the story today that um, she has been stripped of her permanent residency, and I guess at some point if she were to get out of prison, I mean, we're talking about four counts of murder here, but if at some point she uh, gets out of prison, she would be sent back to Afghanistan. I believe for Mohammed, he, he would face the same. Is that correct? That's right. It's pretty standard for any foreign national who comes to Canada and gets permanent residency that if they are guilty of what under immigration law we call serious criminality, that you are almost automatically stripped of your permanent residency and a deportation order is imposed against you, which which means that it could be a long time, if ever, that you're ever deported. I mean, you might die in prison, Tuba might die in prison before she's ever deported, and she would not be deported unless she was paroled. Which we would hope would never happen, or assume would never happen in a case like this, but... Well, she is uh, eligible to seek day parole in 13 years. Now, would we, I mean, it's a question maybe for an um, immigration lawyer. Is there any issue with deporting people to Afghanistan, do you know? No, as far as I understand it, and let me be clear that I'm not an expert on immigration <laughs> law, but I have done a, a fair bit of research and coverage of this story going back years, that um, they're not, uh, the, the provisions in which Canada suspends transfers of people to countries that are wracked by war, or natural disaster where people are at risk, um, those rules are, are not in play for the Shafis. So the Shafis uh, cannot take advantage of what are called the temporary suspension of removals provision, uh, and that's because they've been convicted of this very serious crime. Well, I'm sure we've not heard the last of them. Uh, Rob, thanks for making some time for us here today. Good to talk to you again. It was good to talk to you, Rob. Take care. Uh, that is Rob Tripp, award-winning investigative journalist, uh, author of the book Without Honor, the true story of the Shafia family and the Kingston Canal murders. Uh, Rob did work here for a while, went off to, to write a book. I think he's working on a book on the uh, notorious uh, Kingston pen. Quite a heady topic, but um, yeah, this is quite the story, too. Uh, it was a pretty horrific crime, and I'm sure most of you remember it. I mean, it was a big national news. Even today... Uh, in the news about uh, Tuba. I mean, there's a story on the BBC about it. Even that's getting international attention. 974-8255 is our number 974-TALK. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.